Good morning, all you beautiful people out there in podcast land. Today is another spectacular day in my world, and I'd like to share with you why that is. Today, I remind myself that we all make mistakes, but that does not mean that we are a mistake. Now, let's go show the world how magnificent my mistakes can be. Wait, that last sentence may have been a mistake. Too late, the day of positivity has already begun. It's time to play hard, work hard. Now, let's play hard. Ladies and gentlemen, this is our Friday edition of the Play Hard, Work Hard Morning Show. Happy we are Friday. We're doing right here. That's right. Early morning Friday. And I'll tell you what, we are so jacked because we got two in this week. Woo! Two in this week. But yep. here's, what, here's the other reason why we're jacked. Are you ready for this? I am going to get right into the meat. The juice, mm. what everybody's waiting for you. Skipping the salad course. <laughs> salad? My name is Less Vegetables. Right. <laughs> Why would I eat what my food eats? What was the big, what's the big news in sports everybody's talking about? It's cornerback Richard Sherman getting a domestic violence charge and battery charge because he broke into his fiance or exes or something like that well guess what the crude life has folks the 911 call really are you ready for oh, this man let's listen 911 what are you reporting um i i, I need i need officers to my house now my husband is drunk and blue dirt what can be you stop stop I'm, what's the address are there any is, weapons stop we, are there we any took we took to no there's no gun i'm i'm saying there are no weapons ma'am there are you no weapons. You need to stop interrupting me so I can get the information I need to get officers expedited. I need officers here now. What's he doing this, that you think he's going to harm he's, himself? He's being, he's, he's being aggressive. He has sent text messages. Oh. I, took the, I took the keys out there in your car. He's trying to leave now in the house. He's being aggressive. He's wrestling with my uncle. He's threatening to kill himself. He has sent text messages to people saying he's going to hang himself. <sighs> He, and he's saying that if the police show up, that so please don't shoot is what I'm asking. Okay, wait, say that again. He has no He said if the police show up, that he'll try to fight them. So they okay. need to understand that he is. He is. Okay, L- listen, just what's your phone number there? Okay, and has it been physical with anybody there? You said he's trying to fight yes, your uncle? Yes, it has. Yes, it has. How has it been physical? He just tried to fight him. Okay, trying to fight somebody and actually being yes, physical. Did, two different things. How has it been physical? He's pulling out now. He's trying to leave. He's okay, leaving what kind of car? What kind of car? It's, a, it's a 2016 black Mercedes BBB3425. Richard, please stop. Boy, boy. Hello. hello. BBBB3425. Richard, please stop. Please stop. Is that a sedan SUV? It's it's just a black sedan Mercedes SUV. Okay. He's not going to be able to get out the gate. I cut it off. What do you mean you cut it off? 
I cut the gate. We live behind it. It's, it's Richard Sherman. Like, ma'am, this is like emergency. I need officers hey, here listen now. Listen to me. I'm handling this. You need to stop telling me that. Okay, but what I'm not going to slow help down. He's not going to slow help down. Okay, well, what I need to know is that he What's your name? My name is Ashley Sherman. Do you know what his date of birth is? 33088. Okay, slow down so I can understand you. What's the date of birth? March 30th, 1988. Does anybody need the ambulance there? You said it was physical. No, we don't need the ambulance. Okay. And he does not have any weapons or access to weapons? No. No. Okay. And how much has he had to drink tonight? Two bottles. Two bottles of what? Now, a vodka now. and Hennessy. Okay, hard alcohol. Just alcohol. He's intoxicated. Okay, sir. Really? I'm only going to talk to one person, so please put the phone down no. and no, talk no, to no, Ashley. No. Okay, is, is, is the sheriff it, on the way? Okay. Listen, I, it's over on dispatch, okay? Talking to me is not going to slow anything else down. Someone gets killed, bro, like... Okay, I'll let you out the line. The officers have the information. <laughs> so, I, you know, I'm not... So I'm not totally sure what the training is behind 911 officials. I was going to say there's I've never heard so much apathy in a, a DMV employee. She sounded annoyed. She's well, you think about the calls that they have to deal with. Try, totally, right? right. I'm sure. Exactly. Like an ER nurse. I'm not trying to take anything away from the stress that they got on a regular basis, but to me that just seemed like a pretty routine call yeah. that they would get as a 911 domestic yeah. dispute something. Yeah. And, you know, as you heard, there wasn't, you know, people weren't necessarily, uh, there wasn't any violence outside of a wrestling match between mm-hmm. an uncle and a few. Right. But when I listened to it, I kept thinking, like, I I don't want to say anything negative against the 911 person, but at the same time, that can't be how they're trained, is it? I have no idea, honestly. But one of the things that struck me was, is, you know, if it's an emergency, do I need the date of birth right now? Right, right. But before, before, does he have weapons? Right, right. And, so you know, and I, but on the flip side, yeah. if you're the nine one one operator, well, who the f is Richard Sherman? Right. Well, what do I care about that? Well, what, and, what do I care if it's Richard Sherman or Sherman Helmsley? I know it's illegal or a felony to you know to misuse nine one one to prank call and stuff like that. But you got to figure that happens every day anyway. Right. Right. But False it's things or they get people that are just abusive, you know, what I mean, or it's, you know, it's BS to begin with. You know, it's somebody saying somebody parked in my parking spot. So you know? anyway, I thought we'd start with that because there was just so much about that that was just so bizarre to me from the 911 operators. Just it seemed like just a, a lack of training. I don't know. My lack of understanding to the empathy and just like I said, the tone sounded annoyance. And then I on the flip side, you know, I mean, I understand what she's dealing with because yeah. you can't name drop during a nine one one call and right. and, if, and expect that that's going to matter, right? Right, and and I get it where she was she was hysterical, but yeah. at the same time, I've heard nine one one calls that are much more hysterical. Oh, absolutely. And then I, the other thing was I thought bizarre was okay, I'm done with you now. Yeah. I'm used to the 911 operator saying, I'm going to hang on the line until right. an officer yeah. comes, no, right? Like, I got everything I got need from you. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> you know, it's funny. When you mentioned the football thing, right, I immediately thought of uh, 
Dwayne Haskins, the quarterback oh, backup. This is the flip of it. Yeah, right. Yes. Okay, so uh, he was arre- uh, his wife was arrested in Vegas, and uh, basically. Hawkins Haskins suffered a split upper lip and a missing tooth during a July three incident at the Cosmopolitan in Las Vegas. So his wife, man, knocked him out. I mean, it's kind of the reverse of the Ray Rice, right? Where right. Ray Rice kind of blackballed for was it him that struck yeah, that woman that was, in, it was, it was in the elevator? And it was on camera and like drug her out yeah, like a like, like a caveman. Yeah, caveman, yeah. And Kareem Hunt had one too. I think so. There, there was yeah. when you're a big giant man Mm -hmm. it takes a real man not to hit a woman yeah okay but if you're a woman and hits a man that's just kind of (laughs) cool there's something that turns you on about that there just is okay well clearly you know she was had zero f's to give at that point right (laughs) and if you can punch out the dude's tooth hey you just got a little bit it's cool you know i'm wondering what the locker room's gonna be like it's like hey Dwayne, how you doing you know i noticed you got the tooth missing there how's the wife you know (laughs) that was one of my thoughts too when i read this story because keep my i'm i'm a washington football fan okay i was a redskins fan as a kid because when we were four or five years old murray proust and i cowboys and indians oh yeah thanksgiving because we were neighbors our family spent thanksgiving together what's <laughs> what's this the cowboys and indians are playing football right well i was a bow and arrow guy he was a cap gun guy mm-hmm. since then i've had the same team until daniel snyder bought him and thought oh i'm gonna play real life fantasy football right. hey let's bring bruce smith in and Deion sanders yeah. and, hey is a uh, hundred million dollars for a half a season is uh as uh, uh terry bradshaw still playing let's bring him back too. honus wagner i think he might have done better than McNabb. like honestly if 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 the team that you have a rivalry with in your own division is like yeah, you can have them. You can have them. Sure. Fact, we'll even pay you. Yeah, take them. Oh, at that time, the Philadelphia Eagles wanted to get rid of McNabb just to open up the bus seat room. Right. Just so some of the more important guys would have more leg room at right. that point. Well, he was skipping the ball to people at that point. He yeah. wasn't at Josh Freeman level. No. Josh Freeman, just who just... played one game for the Minnesota Vikings out the rest of the season. And what a memorable game. <laughs> that was He threw like 70-some passes against the New York Giants on Monday Night Football. And I don't think he... the uh, I do remember the announcers apologized. Really? Because the football play was so bad just atrocious. it was below a high school level right and keep in mind at the end of the day the game is their product yes and and the reason you want athletes <laughs> playing in the nba and not sitting is because people are coming to see the product the final product, right? So, anyway, um, well, so, you know, I, interesting nine one one call. Yeah, very interesting. And you're right. My, I was struck immediately by just the apathy in the nine one one operator's voice. Just sort of the kind of casual. Makes you wonder if that was like a tame call for her that night, right? Well, I'm just curious about you know if anybody else thought that was a little bit unusual by the uh, operator, you know, mm-hmm. because. Well, it's it's very it, the police and emergency responders and all that. There's a very polarizing, you know. I mean, you the whole defund and all that other yeah. stuff, and just it's it's hard to be not even critical, just even well, you casually figure, analytical. How's that? No, yeah, and we should be. I mean, that's what that's what keeps things honest. And you know, you think about when you call into a service or you're calling your mechanic or whatever, and there's that recording that says this call may be recorded for clarity or whatever. Every one of those calls is recorded, right? So they know they're on tape 
all the time. Well, and that's the thing too. This is it's a public service. Yeah, this is exactly. tax dollars. Yeah. I mean, so you know, if I always put myself in this position, okay, if I'm on either one of the ends. Mm-hmm. How am I responding and reacting? Yeah. And I wouldn't want to be on either one of those. No. You know what I mean? Yeah. And no, no, you don't. Because, I mean, you, you might get really crappy service at a Starbucks or something and go away being pissed off at the employee. I try to keep in mind nowadays, unless it's just, you know, they're just being a dick, is that you never know what kind of day they're having. Right, right. You don't know if they, they just Because I've had that day. If they found out and walked in on their spouse. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you know, we've all been there. If you've worked any kind of service at all where you've had to serve people, where you really had to work hard to keep that face on during the day. Well, we've got emails and events still to get to. Interviews, we've got, interviews, uh, interviews. By the way, how was the road trip yesterday? It was long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good though, man. I'm tired of driving. I got to tell you, you know, that's one thing I look forward to towards the end of the summer is is a little bit less driving. I uh, I have done a very good job this summer of resisting the siren song of Little Debbie. Do you, do, do you uh, get caught up in some of those snacks at the uh, no at the gas station? No, not those, especially when it's hot. The sweet stuff like that. Maybe that's be, why I, it's no problem. Me. No, give me a Slim Jim, man. I like to snap into a Slim Jim at a gas station. Is that is that your kind of road yeah, snack? Yeah, do your little processed road meat. And that's how you get into it. Whatever cat gut. Well, I I don't know. For me, I, I was I was standing in line, and just the other day when I was on traveling, and I saw the little Debbies. I thought, oh man, because I, as a kid, I used to love Star Crunch. Oh, I remember that, that. was the big thing that yeah. you know, sleep over in a Star Crunch, right? Ooh. And then when I worked at a video store, the word Star Crunch took on a whole new meaning. Right behind the curtain. Right, gotcha. Must be eighteen behind the curtain. Yeah, yeah. Star Crunch no, no, Part no Eight. Faces of death here. <laughs> and so, as I'm standing there looking at little Debbie. And I'm thinking the siren songs of Little Debbie, you know, uh, old brother, where art thou? You know, right, the, right. the women in the water wearing right. the white outfits, singing the muses, singing, yep, the yep, muses the sirens, yep. from uh, Iliad, right? The, Iliad, yeah, the Odyssey, yeah. Homer's Odyssey. Odyssey. Yeah. I think that, yeah, I think that whole movie was based on that Odyssey. The Odyssey, you know, and I'm looking at it going, okay, fudge rounds. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. There's a reason they put that stuff right there at the checkout. Oatmeal cream pie. Pretty much every one of the little Debbies could be behind that 18 and over mm-hmm. a curtain at the at the video <laughs> store. You know, well, I'll I tell just... you, that's the fun thing about pornography. <laughs> it works on all levels. Little Debbie's Star Crunch. I mean, come on, man. The only thing missing is like volume 12 at the end of that. Stay away from my fudge rounds. I mean, it's just... <laughs> anyway, so obviously we got to entertain ourselves yeah, on the road no, a little no, bit. Yeah, you know, and no, not the little Debbie guy, but hey, more power to you. Industrial uh, forest update. So we have offer on some land. Yeah. Oh yeah, we're going to the next step, baby. Where we're, is it? It's well, we've got we, uh, the surprise. Okay. Well, we don't want to mention it because we're still in offer stages. Okay. okay? Right, but right. we're we're looking at uh, in the country. Okay. You know, some land, so we can do the five acre park. Okay. And then we can also do the in-the-city park. So we're doing that in the city of Bismarck. Sustainability shed. The whole deal, pipeline. man. The industrial forest is moving ahead. Right. And uh, we're, you know, we've got a, a few surprises. Oh, Moorhead Cruise Night, if you're available August 5th, uh, as we kind of go through our morning. Classic cars. We kind of go through our morning meeting here. You know what I found out? Hmm. It's the second largest car event deal in Minnesota. 
Really? So, well, you got Minneapolis, yeah. right? Yep. So pretty much their big one draws yeah, everybody. they're the magnet. Well, we get Winnipeg. Okay. We get Sioux Falls. We get the people, the diehards mm. from Minneapolis, you know, the people. Right, who, they're going to go anywhere. One ain't well, enough. they probably go out to Hot August Nights in Reno, too. Well, totally, you know, right. So. You're exactly right. The yeah. Barrett, was it the Barrett auction down in Arizona? Yeah, yep. um, and then, you know, we're the real, that's the coup de grace yeah, of cars. And you ever watch that? That's fun to watch. So much so. so I can't even remember how to pronounce and say the full name. <laughs> I just remember Barrett or something along those lines. It's like the Westminster Dog Show. I think it's Westminster. I don't know. Yeah, it's it could be Wimbley. Too, too rich for my blood. Yeah, yeah. Some product I've never heard of. It's dogs. So probably some person, Westminster. Yeah. Uh, so if we look at uh, the industrial forest. You know, we're moving ahead on that and. Uh, yeah, this is, this is cruise night. Sorry, the cruise night. Cruise yeah, night. cruise night. So we're going to have the uh, industrial forest crude life tent of diversity set up. We'll be selling our products there, okay. our sustainability products. We're nice. going to be selling there. Uh, if you're more than welcome to come, it's August 5th. It's going to be a Thursday. Yeah, I like taking people's money. Hunter might be there. Yeah. Really? She's uh, all six feet of her really? might be there. Wow. Yep, yep. You haven't meant Hunter yet, have no, you? Not okay. yet. No, I've only heard tales, the towering tales. That's about right, too. <laughs> She's a redwood. So, what else do we have? I mean, that's not offensive at all. She's just a redwood's a tall tree. Tall so, tree. just yeah. uh, she's it's actually from thing, she's from Canada. It? Okay, she played hockey. Played hockey, hockey here, girls' nice. hockey. Nice. Yeah, and so she's staying around here in the United States, but. She grew up in Canada, mm-hmm. so her mindset on the environment is, like, priceless right now. Absolutely priceless, because she's, like, being reverse-engineered in America. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I wonder what, what the average Canadian really thinks, because what, what I hear is just the side of it where they're saying, no, we're going to send pipelines down there. You guys figure it out, but we're sending the oil. You know, so unless you want it coming pouring out on your end, do something about it. I mean, that's the last I heard Canada say about pipelines. I think Canada, they're they're pretty they're open. To yeah, it. they're pretty. They, they understand the reality of it. You know that you have to have a certain amount, otherwise it's gonna it's gonna cost way too much. I mean, look at California. Yeah. Look at California. They. I saw a graphic the other day, an infographic the other day. Oh, I love those. That talked about, I think, California, and just rough rough numbers here, so it it might be a zero off, but 20 billion barrels a day they need of oil. That's what they use. 20 million. 20 million barrels a day, right? 20 million. Did I say billion? I meant... I heard billion. Oh, I you meant might million. have said million. Either way, that, like I said, I, I was just trying to rectify that. The numbers don't matter, but that would be a huge difference, but 20 million barrels a day, and that's what they use, right, as a state. Well, they only produce five mm-hmm. so that means they import in 15 well this infograph showed the different countries where it's coming in from countries well yeah okay and right. so and then the next infograph showed the carbon footprint of one of these tankers mm-hmm. and talking about how california is probably not even close to the green leader in yeah. fact, they're going backwards. They're getting back to the days when you couldn't even see the the mountains on Ventura Boulevard because the smog, the smog was, so, was bad. so bad. You remember yeah. that? I do. Actually. Oh, I was living out there then when I actually went in 1993, mm-hmm. 19 dickety two, right? Right. When I went you out cut and it with a knife. You, right. Yep. I was in Burbank. Oh, okay. And uh, Ventura Boulevard, right? Driving down there, and the mountain is like 
50 yards away from the, the Ventura Boulevard or whatever. You can't see it. You couldn't even see it. Well, because the, the ocean breeze yeah. pushes that smog right up against yeah. the, the mountain and it, it just stops. Kind of holds it right there. Right. Just hop like fog. Yeah. And so to California's credit, they became, in my opinion, and I've heard others agree with me that are much more smarter than me, California really became the leader in the emission management reduction when it came to combustion engines. Well, as, as a necessity. I mean, they, they totally. felt the pressure and they tried to do something about it. Just like a marketplace does. It adapts and it moves and it reacts because yeah. long before the Sierra Club came along, long before Greta Thunberg came along, humans started decarbonizing on their own. They stopped burning wood and hay because that's... that way too many carbon molecules and atoms in there. Mm-hmm. Um, i to get sciencey. I don't want to. It's Friday. So I was told there'd be no math or science <laughs> on Friday. Uh, but as I'm talking about the decarbonization here, uh, so we, but when we look at it, you know, and we go whales and then we go to coal and we go to, you know, crude oil all the way to natural gas. So, I mean, we've been decarbonizing as a species for 150 years. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's an evolution, Right. You can kind of see the evolution of it. And so now we're at sort of that crossroads where so much of the next step relies on technology that isn't proven yet to be widespread enough to make a huge difference. I keep coming back to the EV requirement by 2030, I think, for the federal government. You know, I'm just really wondering what the what that actually entails to make something like that happen using current technology. That means a hell of a lot of charge stations need to go up. Right. That is a heck of a lot of new minerals that are going to be mined. Yeah. The mining industry is probably going to have a boom like you and Blake. Well, it's like we're starting a another fire to help put out a different fire. We just keep starting different fires. I've got one for you. So coming up later on in the program, we interview Drew Galang. He's with All American Services. Okay. Okay. And we we get a little bit into it. Uh, not him and I, but, you know, just into some... Right, d- down, deep... to, down into the weeds. Yeah, we get a bit, bit into the weeds, all the way to when I talk about my, my tinfoil hat. Um, <laughs> it's more of a sombrero. Well, just, and I don't know if it's by design or what, but how a certain age group brought in this phrase, I feel, mm-hmm. how they start everything. And so when you bring in, I feel, into the workplace, when you're trying to have a sterile black and white discussion... Mm-hmm. Changes the discussion completely. Yep. We actually talk about that in the second hour. He's all into it. He's like, "Oh yeah, let's." I'm in, you know, because these are real conversations. Because the marketplace has changed to the point to where building a better mousetrap doesn't matter. Yep. We were talking about before we got on the air about the whole Sony and uh, VHS oh, and Beta Max. So Beta, folks, you ever heard of VHS tapes? You know, on a on a, a VCR video cassette recorder, VCR used to have something called a VHS tape. Well, before then, there was a Betamax tape, which is essentially a smaller version of the VHS tape, which was more superior, higher quality, higher quality. Yeah. It was a better mouse trap, but it did not have Sony in its corner. You know what's funny is that uh, over a decade ago, I was working at a PBS station in Nevada, and apparently they and a lot of other stations they still use betamax for tape to tape stuff because it's high quality it's it's good compression all that kind of when thing. i first got into radio 
they were still using eight tracks. Oh yeah, over over <laughs> the other stuff sure. because the eight track had a better quality than the uh, whatever the Dolby uh, what, the is tape right stuff? tapes. Yeah, whatever what, whatever the tape is. I don't yeah. even know what it's called. Um, audio tapes. Yeah, Dol- just audio D- tape. Dolby. Yeah. I don't even. Sorry, Dolby. No, but you would have been doing company. eight track reel to reel stuff. I mean, actual the. Oh man, when I was doing radio back in the day, <laughs> we had something called carts. So what we would have to do is we would, and this is no kidding, folks. Think about this. It's like a mixtape thing? We would have to go into a room that was just a wall to wall. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking all four walls were eight tracks Wow! inserted into the wall. Like some mad scientist mm-hmm. recording everything George Bush ever said, right? Analog mainframe. Totally. It's, it's okay. what it is, yeah. analog mainframe. In fact, if you popped open a computer, it'd probably look like a circuit Some board. Similar yeah. There, yeah. So you'd go in and, and you'd have whatever the modern version of Google or the Dewey Decimal System was then. <laughs> and you would, uh, you'd see, okay, well, okay, John's... Uh, John's uh, home home repair. Let's pull that out. Oh, I see Dave's auto body has an ad. Right. So you'd actually have to pull out the carts of ads. Yeah, the physical spots. And right? then, yeah. then you'd have to pull out the, the music yep. if the music was on a cart. But not all of it was on a cart. Some was in the system. Right. So now you had to, like, actually pay attention and multitask. Oh, man. Well, yeah, did you? I mean, doing any it was kind an of art. production at, at, at a radio station or a PBS station or something like that, it was like wizardry because you had multi-technologies from different time periods, I right? Was. Right, you got a 70s deck over there for doing mixed downs, and you got a 90s, uh, what, AOL computer. <laughs> I remember the day the CDs Gateway, came. that's what I was The thinking. day Gateway the CDs computer. came in. The engineers threw us all a party. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> Hallelujah. Right. Oh, my job just got a thousand percent easier. Little did they know, and this is a good example of something else I was just reading, is that that also started to make them obsolete, right? The more we modernized, the better and more efficient we got. Oh, yeah. The fewer people you needed to do the radio There is no more television repairman. Yeah. There is no more refrigerator repairman. They're gone, right? You know, okay, to be fair, the only place I see those guys is it's on a lake. They got a little shop. It's a wood sign out front. You know, it's Al's knife sharpening and, and fridge repair type right. of thing, right? So uh, around here, there's still that guy, but no, you buy a new one. And he's course. by appointments only on his time, yeah. you yeah, know, it's type like, of a thing. Yeah, if his cat's outside, you know he's probably awake, right? And you'll probably pay five bucks. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't yeah. care about the Dude, money. You can fix your refrigerator, sharpen your <laughs> knife, take care of your cat, you name it. Yeah, let's see uh, who's playing. The Gophers are playing this weekend. Yeah, you betcha. Okay, let's uh, go ahead and fix that refrigerator, Den. <laughs> Probably get her done by second period, eh? Right. You hit him up for some lotto numbers. See get if he some wants to pull tabs. With watch some letter candy at halftime. <laughs> well, halftime. That's it. That's half okay. Time. We just mixed our sports <laughs> metaphors there. Boy, that's, we got uh, sports on the mind today, don't we, man? For Friday. Well, you know, you got Bucks Suns tied up, right? So it's looking like an actual series. We started in with sports, although it was more uh, lifestyle about a nine one one domestic call yeah. and that whole deal. But that's right. uh, that was a lifetime ago. Yeah, we should probably take a quick pause when we come back. We're going to do some uh, news, rumors, and news speak as we continue here on this Friday edition of the Play Hard, Work Hard Morning Show. My name is Jason Spees. That is Sterling. It is summertime, and we are loving life here. Go. 
Mike and the fine folks at MyPillow are changing the game once again with their six-piece towel set. This set is made with USA cotton, making it extremely absorbent, yet still provides that soft feel you look for in a towel. The set comes with a two-bath, two-hand towel, two-washcloth, typically retailing for $109.99, but for a limited time, you can get this for the low price of $39.99 with the promo code OTIS. That's O-T-I-S. Remember, all MyPillow products come with a 60-day money-back guarantee. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the Radio Listener Specials to get this insanely low price of $39.99 on the towel set. You'll find deep discounts on all other MyPillow products as well. Enter the promo code OTIS or call 800-598-5268 for these amazing energized specials. The music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is sponsored in part by Chewy Paws, all-natural elk, deer, moose, and caribou antler chews for dogs, USA-sourced premium quality and no preservatives. They love what we do in oil and gas, and all profits go to the dogs. That's Chewy Paws. Check out their website, ChewyPaws.com. That's Chewy Paws with a Z, dot com. The Crude Life, Play Hard, Work Hard, is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in Western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. Play hard, work hard. Now, let's play hard. I'm telling you, it's the sequel economy because 
<laughs> what's happening is like Hollywood sequels. Like Hollywood okay. sequels, All in right. the same way, the investors would not invest in any movie unless it was Friday the Thirteenth Part Fourteen, right? Or Hulk Part Nineteen, right? Or whatever. Yeah, I wish we had Hulk Nineteen. Or the Hunger Games. We're gonna get hungrier. Mm. You know, whatever the sequel is, it has to be an established franchise yeah. in order to get the money. That's the economy we're living in right now. What do you man, think of that? Man, I think it's like my eight-year-old who will only watch things she's already seen. So we got what? <laughs> Pro wrestling is politics. Yep. And the Marvel Universe is our economy. Is our economy. Oh, boy. boy well, you we know, got... I mean, that's what we were just talking about is it's like, you know, this PPE money and stuff. You and I, like you said, we By the go way, out. PPP, not PPE. PPE. Thank but you. it's the same. Thanks. PPP. And PPE, because that's what you buy, right? that's what you buy, yeah. right? Yeah. Right. So PPP money. We could go out and we could probably get some of that fat money cake, but we have no guarantee. Right now, it's a horrible time for us to do anything like that, take on that kind of risk. So why give it to us, right? You give it to the company that you know already has money. They're already into you. You're already into them. That's that cycle, man. I'm still trying, to, fig- I'm still trying to figure out how it's beneficial for private banks to get tax money mm-hmm. then instantly their their net their, their assets go up their value goes up because that's how they're they're equated that's yeah. how they get their equity is by debt to to loan ratio whatever that i'm i'm, no, sp- I, I'm speaking like i know i've said about 15 <laughs> things wrong here folks but the the words sound right right but but the template is there so that, that's what I just don't get because yeah. all of a sudden, you know, and then the banks, they get to profit off of that too mm-hmm. or because it's a loan now. Well, and, you know, a lot of this. The first round, they forgave some, right? Right. There right. was some just basically, here's some money. <laughs> we're going to stuff it in your pocket. There was a guy in high school that did that too out behind the shed. Really? He gave a he gave us a little taste of some little green nugget. Uh-huh. And then, <laughs> and then boy, that one kid really liked it. He went back and he got something else, but that's, he had to pay more for that. That's called building a customer base, man. <laughs> <laughs> understanding your market, right? Oh, we better get to the news before oh, we get geez, too far right into the oh, defense gosh. here. Well, you know, I... We're hey, talking, let's end on a high note. A high note. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's one that's sure to put you right to sleep, okay? This is from Exxon, or sorry, Chevron. So coming from good old Reuters. Narc in the room. All right. Exclusive. Chevron to sell large swath of Permian assets valued at more than $1 billion. Are you kidding me? Not kidding you, man. Okay, we're getting serious now. Yeah, okay. So oh, jeez, I better pay attention here. Hang on. Corp is start over. Start over. Okay. Start over. Headline. Start. <clears throat> Headline is Chevron Corp is looking to sell a lot. Okay. They're looking to sell two collections. Of that, that was the headline. <laughs> That's to my sell headline. a lot. Okay. Yeah, you gonna... want to hear the original headline? Back it up 15 <laughs> seconds, buddy. Okay. First sentence. That's true. People can do that on podcasts. <laughs> Never mind. Go ahead. Live and recorded. So they're looking to sell two of their conventional oil and gas fields in the Permian Basin, valued at more than $1 billion combined. This is three different sources talking to Reuters. Chevron confirmed that it is marketing conventional assets in the Permian Basin, but did not specify value of the assets. Big surprise there. Oil futures in the U.S. have soared more than 50% so far this year, prompting companies to try to sell assets in Permian Basin of Texas and New Mexico, the country's largest oil field. Interesting. So they're looking to sell lower value assets. And then Royal Dutch Shell is considering exiting the formation entirely. 
Shell is looking to exit the Permian to invest in energy transition, while Chevron's focus is investing in its highest performing assets. Did they actually use the word energy transition? They did. For real? They did. Okay. Yeah. To me, that's the most important thing in the story I've heard so far. Because well, I, I, I said that, right? Well, I have been hearing about this now that as soon as you said Royal Dutch Shell, um, I remember uh, there was th- this. This was in the works a couple weeks ago, and um, Armstrong and a few other people sent out uh, a letter to me, and it was, you know their their group, and they said, "Hey." Royal Dutch Shell, their Dutch company, and they were just pointing out Stad Oil, uh, EOG. These are not American companies, right. and they're taking over these these oil and gas assets. It was almost like um, a Paul Revere type of a thing, you right, know. The redcoats are coming. Something. It, that's how I read it. It One was if by land, two if by sea. Get the lantern ready. Man, I hope that I got that right. Three. Well, he must have. Because one by out. land, two by sea, three by oil. Three by. Three by oil, Derek. That's how it goes. Well, what do you think that lamp was powered by, man? Good old whale oil. <laughs> Back then it was. Yeah, so, it was. well, that's uh, to me the most important thing in this. Okay, is first of all, Shell is not going anywhere. Now they might become Shell, Verizon, Chipotle. Right. Okay, and that might happen. But I think they're probably one of the big three that'll stick around. You know, and they might be BP Shell. Who knows? You know, well, it sounds like at least from, you know, the point of view of the marketplace, what you've got is you've got Shell that's basically going to exit out of everything, whereas that, Chevron's talking about sort of around the edges, they're going to start selling off some of their stuff. Well, uh, it, that's what it looks like to me is that uh, Shell is really saying, OK, we're going to become an energy company now yeah. and we're going to give some business to people who want to be oil companies. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's kind of a push and pull, right? You've got you've got they're both sort of headed in the same direction, but kind of in an opposite way right now. You've got whereas Shell is basically saying, we're done, we're going. Chevron's still going to be in it, but they're starting. To me, this is the beginning of it. Maybe what, you know, maybe what uh, Shell figured out is what I'm going to talk to Drew Galling about in about a half an hour, hmm. which is I, I flat out ask him because I, the amount of regulations in the last five years have been insurmountable, okay? And then there was the, remember that story a couple of weeks ago out of Florida? Remember that Channel oh, yeah. Ocho News yes, out yes. in Florida, some opinion piece that yeah. you found? Yeah, that and good awesome. for you on that because <laughs> that guy should have been on Fox News, MSNBC, because right. his little nugget of uh, that, what was it? It was a, a, it was a set of regulations that basically have a m- insurmountable impacts on small to mid-size uh, oil and gas companies yeah. to where like some outfit we'd never heard of that represents oil and gas companies. They were in that piece, right? Yeah. About yeah. They, they were starting to cr- be Paul Revere. Well, it was kind of like a smaller version of an API group, I think. Right. Yeah, right. It was like, a right. Note, yeah. But what they were saying is that, okay, this la- last round of executive orders that Biden did. Yeah. We understand the pipeline stuff's getting all the news. But it's these regulations that are going to take us out. Mm-hmm. So the pipeline's going to take out the, the, the unions and the manufacturers and the welders and the yeah. pipe fitters and all those people. They can go into the 
energy transition business. Right. That's what I found the most interesting yeah. in this. Well, yeah, that's what's energy interesting. Is it's about transition. Chevron, but it's really about Shell. But I heard this a couple times in the last week, the energy transition mm-hmm. phrase. So there's a memo floating around corporate America about using the word energy transition. Yeah. A lot like when I went to my kids' uh, basketball game and they kept correcting me, contest. Right. They wouldn't let me they wouldn't let me say game. game. It was they, oh no, they wouldn't let me say it. Well, they used to call gladiator fights contests. That's kind of cool. But when I but whenever I'd say game, they would actually say contest. They would actually correct me What's the difference? and have the last word. What's, oh, just to, just to do that maybe. Huh? Because that's what they say to the children. Okay. This is this is why people were so upset about the uh, 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 what do you call that the propaganda. What's that called when you're brainwashing a kid? Um, um, uh, indoctrin- indoctrination. Oh, okay. uh, I, I guess it's more than children. YouTube, but, I guess nowadays is what you call it. But in Colorado, they flat out pulled the uh, textbooks and showed hmm. the indoctrination where it was, it was, oh, it was flat out against oil and gas. Like to where even people that are Ed Bagley Jr. wannabes were like, okay, that's just now you're picking on people now. Right. Well, you know, it, a lot of people don't think about this, but it's private companies that do the history books. And in a lot of cases, that that's driven by who orders more history books than somebody else. In a lot but, of cases, it's Texas. So Texas and California do a lot of that textbook. It's like this, right? Well, it becomes politics. Yeah, it is. It's and, ide- and it's what special interest group can, can carve out their piece of the yeah. pie? I'm surprised they don't have ads. And, and then they work backwards. Yeah. You know, and so it's, it's um, well, and like most things, you know, you take a look at most education places and administrators gave up their desire for the children a long time ago. Yeah. I mean, honestly, and I'm not trying to be mean, but the, most educators go in, they want to change the world. They get beaten down by the system. Mm-hmm. Now they just, they want to protect their job, protect the kids. They sound and, like that 911 operator. Well, uh, some do, but yeah. a lot of them basically want to protect the children from the administration. Yeah. I mean, yeah. in all honesty. From the bureaucracy. From the bureaucracy. Absolutely. That, so that yeah. becomes a teacher's job, is, is a full-time job. And then they, that's without the shitty parents. Right. <laughs> just right. not even get into people <laughs> like me out there trying to. Try. Well, yeah. I mean, that's not even getting into the stuff that happens before the kid walks in the door each morning. You should, but did I show you the photo of uh, what the summer school teacher sent me? No, the the gal I met on Tinder, <laughs> who's who's teaching night summer school. This is a heartwarming story already. She's teaching night summer school, night right? Summer school. So I'm basically just staying until like we went on we, we went on one you know met her out for a, a patio cocktail and right. that was it and that was you know pretty much it right. But you guys are friendly. Well, it's she. She sends me some interesting photos of what the kids are served at the high school mm-hmm. for summer school. And one time it was a bun and a little thing of pudding. It's like the fire festival. And there was like no peanut butter because of peanut butter allergies. Right. And like it was just like a white bun. Like It's and, like looking at what would happen if all the bees died. And nobody right. pollinated anymore. <laughs> and then she sends me this other one where every That's Friday, sad, every Friday they get a backpack of food. Yeah. 
Great intentions yeah. because a lot of these kids do not have access to fruits and vegetables and just any sort of uh, canned goods and whatever. Yeah. So there's a program, and a lot of communities have these programs where they, it's a backpack program. They go around to the expired food or the close to expired food, mm-hmm. fill it up with macaroni and cheese, Chef Boyardee, some canned vegetables. Yeah. They try to get as healthy as they can, and they work their way to Chef Boyardee. Yeah. So it's ramen at that point. Right. And I get it. It's it's more ramen and, and macaroni and cheese and, yep. and, uh, and canned thing than anything, right? Yeah. Empty so, carbs. And, right. But it, it's a good effort. At least well, it's no, there. I mean, and that's, that's okay. a whole other discussion is that if you're poor, you usually can afford only the mac and cheese and the ramen, right? So what, what happens when you get text messages and nobody else has seen it but you and the other person? You probably get a little smart-assy snarky, right? Sure. Well, so she sends me the text of the backpack program, and it's like got a back a bag of mac and cheese, and it's got a thing of Chef Boyardee, and it's got the ramen, and mm-hmm. it's got everything that you think it have, right? So I text back, I go, "So does anybody have access to a pot, a pan, a can opener, or I mean, it's like this is because the, the, that's their meal on Friday, right?" Is Figured out in the backpack. Right. It's, 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 it's assemble, some assembly required. It's the Ikea Ron, lunch. Ron Swanson would have a hard time assembling a meal with what this backpack has right, given. Right. He'd eat the backpack. Well, he's got to say, squish it between a burger. All right, let's get to the next news story because that one took a long time. All right, so a uh, little bit of news on line three. They don't give a burger on Friday. They give you a backpack. Backpack, eat that. (laughs) So once again, line three pipeline opponents are appealing to the Minnesota Supreme Court. Line three. This is Enbridge. This is Enbridge, yes. This is uh, Minnesota environmentalists and Native American groups hoping to stop the construction of a controversial oil pipeline have brought their latest challenge to the Minnesota Supreme Court as activists are working to slow it on the ground. I may have to steal a business idea from the state of Montana. Okay. There was someone in Montana, and this was back in the mid-90s when I was uh, in, was it Big Sky? Okay. Big Sky? Right? That's, a, that's an actual place, right? That's it an, is. That's a ski yeah. resort, right? It is. And Jane Fonda and her ex, are they still married, Ted Turner? I don't think so. I don't think so either. But, well, anyway, she's got a lot of land in in, um, Montana, and they do not like her at all. People in Montana do not like Jane Fonda. Well, she's got her own Vietnam history that a lot of people remember. And a lot of it stems because of that. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, right, because yeah, it's, it's not Barbarella. That was a good movie. No, everybody loved that. Right, that, was, that helped it was, her. It was going to Ho Chi Minh City and... And basically, you know, with maybe good intentions, but, you know, being a communist foil, basically. Right. And um, so there's bumper stickers. I don't know if they're still around Montana or not, but they were back when I was there. I'm not fond of Jane. Ha. And I and I laughed my ass off when I saw that. That's a good one. I like that. The crude life might have to bring those back and go to the uh, Enbridge protest because if she's getting in her private jet, right. flying into uh, Brainerd or Bemidji, mm-hmm. doing doing her thirty minutes of let's let's throw a bunch of red meat to the protesters and empower her to the, the next <laughs> the next Aaron Brockovich Th- Greta Thunberg because remember that's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Some 
some balloon boy parent is going to figure out how to Aaron Brockovich and Greta Thunberg, their kid. You're talking about the, the guy that launched or pretended to launch his kid up in the balloon, or are you yes. talking about, okay. Wasn't I'm not talking about. Or if it was the sick guy in a, in a bubble, wasn't sure. Uh, that was the blue. That was boy the bubble the bu- boy. Bubble boy, yeah. I see, bubble boy is the is the boy in a bubble because if he's exposed to the outside right. air, he'll die. So it was a Mandela effect, I think, in my brain there. For okay, the balloon boy, I believe, was Colorado. I think it was, man. Some guy remember wanted what, uh, he wanted what, to launch his kid in a in a, in a balloon. Remember That's, what uh, <laughs> Duffy said about that in Thirty Rock? He's like, you know why that failed? Because he didn't actually have a kid in it. He did not have the kid in it, Liz. I got this all figured out. So what's going on with uh, Jane Fonda and the Balloon oh, Boy? Oh, okay. So so wait, Jane Fonda is going to release a Balloon Boy in Enbridge? I, well, I haven't gotten to the Jane Fonda part. Uh, there is mention of Honor the Earth and Sierra Club. We should probably just skip this story. This, this story, we ruined this okay, story okay. from okay. the get-go. This, this one might be interesting for us. Let's open this one up. Okay. This is from Forbes. This is an opinion piece, but I think you've got, you might have something to say about it. We are going to skip it good. Let's, yep. the, nothing yep. ever goes wrong when you're doing it live. Nah, we ahead. meant to do that. Okay, so the headline from Forbes here, <laughs> is the world sleepwalking into an oil supply crunch, right? So this caught my eye this morning because I'm thinking, well, no, aren't we going to have a glut of it? But what they're talking about here is that there's been an underinvestment in oil supply over about the last decade, right? And you're getting companies like Shell and stuff that are starting to do that transition. There's going to be less of a, of a call for them. So you're going to have these... Uh, what do you call them, like choke points in the system? So that's interesting. This is really interesting because where my mind is right now is on my unfinished thought, and I just spilled coffee when you were reading that headline, by the way, (laughs) was on my unfinished thought about Drew Galang in the second half an hour or the second part of the program here is one of the questions we get into is, you know, these regulations and, you know, in Colorado, they got to build walls around the oil rigs now, and they're still building fake schools around the ones in Los Angeles, you know, and all all these different things. Is, I said, listen, I believe by the end of the year, we're going to have $100 oil, but it will not be as profitable as $50 oil was five years ago. And he paused and he said, I think you're right. Really? Well, think about it. When you have to pay more in regulations and you got to pay somebody to build a wall and then you got to pay, pay someone to, um, by the way, isn't it so funny that the oil and gas protesters also are protesting the wall down in Mexico mm-hmm. in the U.S. border, but they're telling the oil people to build a wall around their little city that they have that they're <laughs> pumping energy on? Well, you Sorry, know, just a just, little existential. It's all about where people want their walls, right? Just a little existential energy here, folks. That's <laughs> all. But no, I mean, when you figure out the amount of regulations that are coming to the small business owner, yeah. $100 oil is going to be the only thing that's going to keep them alive for the next six months. That's it. Because otherwise, they're going to get pounded. It sounds like, too, what they're talking about is, is what you're saying, is that you've got only certain people are going to be able to capitalize on this. That's exactly right? what, they, that, that's what that guy in Florida was saying on Channel Ocho. On Channel Ocho. Well, they, they say what they're saying in this piece is they talked to a guy named Harry Patton. Uh, oil supply team. That is not his name. Harry Patton and Ann she Louise for little Hiddle, Debbie too? head of Macro Oils. How Come they, on. No, these are real names. They were asked how they see the medium-term market fundamentals developing and the implications for price. Well, that's pretty, huh? How much new oil supply does the world need? A lot. 
they say. About 20 million barrels extra per day from 2022 to 2030. This is the supply gap, the difference between our estimate of demand in 2030 and the volume we forecast existing fields already on stream can deliver. I'm telling you where my mind is right now. That's why you're going to get $100 oil, right? Well, you're going to get $100 oil for a variety of reasons, okay? Um, But the most important one that I just mentioned is in the same way that you cannot count rig counts the same that you could 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, absolutely. You can't, this whole $100 oil thing is not going to be the benchmark that it was when it was before. So everybody's going to get excited. They're going to overextend. They're going to overspend when we get to $100 oil. And then they're going to find out that, oh, I made more money at $50 oil five years ago because I had less regulations and and less costs and the price of lumber wasn't 10 times it was so right. my my rig mats don't cost as much and and you're already and, seeing the writing on the wall that you know in 10 years you might not have an occupation and right? if you got to start importing stuff more in now um the cost is going to be ridiculous okay because when when i was doing stories on rig mats and the lumber involved with canada and australia and the united states just those three countries alone if you've if you're transporting like wood there's fumigation and concerns about larvae and microscopic things that australia they don't mess with it anymore that's after the bullfrog incident on the simpsons they were done Right. <laughs> well, you know, they, their their prediction is close to what you're talking about. They is it say, really, yeah, by the way? They say there's three main drivers behind their forecast. And I don't read these stories ahead of time. No, and, they're and, saying... And you don't either half I'm, the time. I'm, we're, we're reading in real time, baby. It's the headline that grabs me. Uh, so they're, raise, they're forecasting a rise of U.S. $80 per barrel later in this decade or by the the middle of this decade. So they think the fundamentals of price of U.S. $80 uh, is needed to incentivize investment in the higher cost barrel to meet increased demand through to 20. Does that mean at a certain amount of days? Because, I mean, we're at like 75 bucks today. Right. Well, they're saying that, uh, yeah, that's the thing is this, this is about, uh, this is like less than a week old. Okay. Right? And the report was done at the beginning towards the beginning of the year well, okay 72 bucks when that right. when that came out right. i mean so an yeah. eight dollar prediction ooh forbes ooh look at you man what, what look well, i think what they're, no, what they're, they're, they're part of the sequel economy that's that's, that's well, what they're saying is what they're what it seems to be saying here is they're suspecting that we're going to be seeing that as the baseline going forward from about the middle of the decade into 2030 where it will slowly rise because you'll have fewer and fewer operators. Oh, so what it. they're saying is what used to be, let's say, sixty was the benchmark. Yeah. Now eighty is going to be the new benchmark. Sixty. Well, that's right? that. So that's pretty much what I'm saying is right. that uh, the hundred dollar oil will not be as profitable as the fifty dollar. Exactly. Oil. You're not going to come in and put and, up schools and stuff like that. Right. Hundred dollar oil because you know, you know. I mean, you you should always know in the back of your mind that there's a bust and boom, but you know here that 2030 is looming, right? So this is going to be interesting because in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, so the last time I saw uh, like a price per barrel chart, like when we can drill, mm-hmm. you know, areas, uh, I'm just thinking of like the Bakken, okay, Watford City. Yeah. Like it was 30, 40 bucks, 30, 40 bucks, they could still drill there because remember during... $30, $40 oil, the Bakken was still putting out a million barrels yeah. a day. Yeah. So, I mean, it wasn't slowing down at all because there was enough to go around, right? 
Now, when you start getting up to the $60, $70, $80, you start hearing names like Fortuna and uh, Tioga because now you can go a little bit further away from the core. Yeah, justify that logistic. Well, the the numbers work. Okay, so now let's take that theory and that philosophy to other shale plays. Okay, we're going to go down to Tuscaloosa, Alabama down to that shale play, right? Down in the Tuscaloosa shale play? Mm-hmm. Well, it's a lot more clay and mud. So when the Bakken was 30, 40 bucks at the core, that shale play was $97. So think of, right. So now wow. equate the new math. If 50 is the new 100 and four, you know, wait, am I, I'm in my 40s. So when you're 50, that's the new 30. <laughs> that's what i tell them on my tinder dates no i'm just kidding so no if 50 is a new hundred and and you got to carry the one and then your profit margin isn't quite where it's at i don't even know what it would take to drill in some of these places that were you know 70 80 90 dollars back when 30 40 bucks it was the bakken you might did, not I, did see, i make sense there no you okay. did and you might not see those what they're saying here is that um they're saying that the rig count in the lower 48 has doubled in 10 months from August 2020. Ah, okay. See, again, I got to call bull, bull, bull on that, but go ahead. Well, say so. They're saying it's basically it's stay flat. It's it's they're spending more, but only just enough to keep production static. And they say that'll change. They expect the rig count in the Permian, the main focus of new drilling, to rise by another 80 percent in the next 18 months. Higher production will follow. They forecast the U.S. lower 48 production. Well, Whoa, whoa, whoa. Two million barrels a day from what, 2022. What, why? Why do they say higher production will follow? Uh, because of the rise in rig counts, as well. But the rise in rig counts, from my understanding, is because the government is subsidizing the marketplace in many of the in many of the states in order to cap them. I think what, the, yeah, exactly. That's well, that, what I'm saying. Yeah. So the rig count has risen because a lot of these are being capped. What, what shut ins and abandons, right. right? Yeah, no, and stuff where they've either, they've kept it going because it's cheaper to keep it going than to just give it up, right? But no, I think what they're talking about in this light is that you're going to see a narrower and narrower group of people that'll be able to provide the same amount of oil that we're going to need by 2030. And so that's going to jack up the number of rigs that'll get into production. In the I don't agree with this article. Do you understand um, what Brent is? They mention this. They say uh, they say that production will grow to two million barrels a day from 2022 to 2030, based on Brent steadily increasing to U.S. dollar 80 barrels. Or you're talking about the Brent crude oil price, right? Yeah, it's yeah, a, so, it's yeah. a classification okay. so that's for the, the classification, trading, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's um This is interesting. They say OPEC has less than thirty five percent of market share right now and it's gone down over ten uh, percent over the last decade. And um well the classification, by the way, it's a blend. Okay. So it's uh I know this stuff's hard to Yeah, because I mean and, it's and not just sort of dollar per barrel. There's a lot more into it than that. Right. And so well actually uh light sweet crude would probably be the way to think about it. Right. Brent is more of the sweet the light sweet crude, you know. Okay. And so do you know anybody named Brent that is sweet? Because that would be a good way to remember I have to it. Answer that question. No. Okay. Okay. Can I call right. her Brenda? <laughs> All right. Let's move on, man. Let's have something fun, right? Okay. So this is actually one you sent my way. Little. I, little, I know you still haven't read it. Little Debbie Road Snacks aren't uh, fun enough. Oh, that would be another one back behind the curtain. Oh, is, are, are you picking the Brontosaurus one? Brontosaurus, man. Oh, good, because I have not read it yet. I, I put it aside for the weekend because uh, this, this is the... Folks, if you're wondering 
What type of uh, articles Jason Spees reads on the weekend, Saturday, Sunday morning yeah, with his morning your, coffee? What's your feed? It's not Forbes. Nope. It's not Wall Street Journal. No. Those cost money. Do they? Uh, yeah. So I, mean, I don't, I don't I'm, even... I'm on three or four free articles on I, Forbes. I, I, I don't know. even read Thanks them during you. the week. Yeah. It's articles like the one Sterling's about to give you. All right, what do we got? Okay, so the Brontosaurus is back. No, say it ain't so. Say it so. This is, is from Pluto a planet too? Brontosaurus, the long-necked plant-eating dinosaur, has always been a classroom favorite. Never mind that it was declassified as a genus, not genius, genus, all its own in 1903 and lumped under the name Apatiosaurus. What now? 1903? Yeah. But thanks to a study out Tuesday in the journal. So wait a minute. Since 1903, the brontosaurus Never wasn't... mind that it was declassified as a genus all its own in 1903. So, was, lumped, was, so since 1903, it sounds like it's why, like... Why would our education system be telling us the brontosaurus well, is a dinosaur? Well, rant about why they tell us what they want to tell us. It's the brontosaurus I don't know any conspiracy me. behind the brontosaurus. Like, they're still alive, man. Well, I mean, it's a... So I'm going to nerd out here. Okay. Is this like cod, where it's just a bunch of whitefish, or sardines, where it's just a size? Is that what brontosaurus is? I don't know. See, I'm, I'm right, thinking, it. go, I'm go, thinking go, it's go. more like Pluto, right? It went from a planet to a dwarf planet. That's what it kind of sounds so like. So brontosaurus was like, okay, you were a dinosaur, now you're not a dinosaur. But there's a study out in a journal called Pier J, and the brontosaurus has reclaimed its place in the paleontology pantheon. Oh, yes, the PJ. Folks. Yeah, the P- we call it the PJ. Oh, well, mm-hmm. Yeah, the cool kids, too. Mm-hmm. Nerd. Brontosaurus is a dinosaur once again. <laughs> I, I wish I was the MC of that. Oh, God, what I just embraced the crap out of this. All right, let's go. What, the, what did he say? The Brontosaurus is back? It's back again, man. So a quick review of the history. In 1879, cricket, crickets in the room. Okay. a paleontologist named Nathaniel Marsh identified the first specimen of Brontosaurus in Wyoming. Two years earlier, he had named the Apatiosaurus Ajax. Two years later, he named another species of Brontosaurus. And in 1883, he published the first reconstruction of a Brontosaurus skeleton. Boy, that's a good run. None of his specimens had been found with a complete skull, so he reconstructed a hypothetical head based on comparisons with other sized dinosaurs. Oh. The troubles began. Oh. Yeah, so in 1903... Boy, this is like a murder mystery. Other paleontologists argued that the difference between the Apatiosaurus and the Brontosaurus were not great enough to classify them as two distinct genera, I guess it's called. Well, I call them iconolists, but go Since on. Since the latter was discovered later, it was wrapped into the former. After 24 years in the spotlight, Brontosaurus was no more. But you're right, dude. Every year of my life... In grade school, they taught us about a brontosaurus. But maybe my, it was easier. You know what? You know what did it? Uh, you know what did it? Flintstones. The Flintstones. I know. Uh, the brontosaurus burger. That was it. Sliding down the tail. The whistle at 535. Is, are we really just a TV generation? Oh, I mean, we, generations. Is that it? It's like a... Wow. Haven't I ever told you the stupid duck story? Hmm. Okay. So... We're, we're in Montana. Okay. Now, it's, my, it's the Montana day. Okay. What the heck? Sure, why not? Well, we had Curtis Shuck mm-hmm. on this week. We're in Montana's Montana on the mind. on the mind. I was just you know why? Say, why? I'm not fond of Jane. Well, you got those big open skies. So, <laughs> the siren calls of Little Debbie's Star Crunch. <laughs> All right. Well, Barbarella's on the mind now. So, anyway. so Go on. 
I've been, we're in Montana. We're part of these uh, fly fishing tours. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's there's four of us in the parlor. Okay, it was a parlor. Well, that's what they called Carpeted. it. Was it a smoking room? Basically, it was an old house, and okay. and you're in the living room, stuffy armchairs type. And of shit. Yeah. and you know you got the bunks, and I think three of us stayed in a four bed bunk. Okay. So yeah. and then there's another one, right? right? But it's it's one of those things where you go out with a tour, a guide, and you go you go trout fishing for a couple of days, nice. right? Not quite roughing it, but kind of roughing it. Uh, it ain't roughing it at all. Okay. No, um, and. Then they have a they have a chef come in or fifty five year old woman who just got off her shift at the C store right come in to She's make dinner a bunch of frozen hamburgers well it's the frozen pizza woo so she brought in a Totino's frozen pizza cut it in squares as her appetizer for the first night <laughs> and then you know some sort and the dinner was fine it was like a, a spaghetti a spaghetti was the first night okay and then the next morning it was a, a Colorado pot of gold which is basically the the potatoes the eggs the biscuits oh. and gravy the cheese and oh. it's just the KFC bowl as a breakfast food just with with the breakfast in a cup with the biscuits and gravy and cheese on it you know that was breakfast dude sign me up right it was perfect you know for that type of thing but it's all good right Mm -hmm. so here we are and we've got one of the top guys from bnsf uh safety okay and uh that's burlington northern burlington right railroad right and it's my friend's dad, okay. right? And so and then my, my friend is there, and uh, he's, he's the ad agency guy who's got only two clients now, and, and he's doing better than both of us combined. That's and then, right, well, he, <laughs> guy's brilliant, right? So then, then there's me. Okay. <laughs> the Hippie red, capitalist. Okay, the redheaded stepchild here. <laughs> uh, and then we're, we're sitting in the parlor, right? Well, in the parlor is a, another gentleman about my age and we're in our, this time we're in our mid thirties. Okay. Okay. And then the parents age. So that'd be probably the mid fifties to 60 ish. Right. Right. And they're attorneys. So they at least graduated eight years of school. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they're smarter than me too. Yeah. I'm usually proud to tell you about it too. So instantly I realize I'm the dumbest guy in the room. <laughs> okay. So you start drooling. On comes the Aflac commercial with the duck. And it's the one where the duck runs across the grill, Mm -hmm. like, and then it starts running across the grill, right? Well, you know how when you're all in just conversation together and just in that, and usually the weather becomes the common element? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, if the TV's on, the TV becomes the common element, Yeah, something to talk about. Focus. And I just, my, my ad agency buddy and I still use this example when we're trying to explain how dumb people are in a group okay because when you group people together the smartest people become dumber than a box of rocks right Mm -hmm. so or or the crab or they're dangerous and they grab a box of rocks (laughs) (laughs) a little from column a a little from column b right right? right. so anyway it was the elder attorney's dad right so probably the smartest guy in the room to be honest he's probably a judge probably a lot of little letters and stuff after his name (laughs) after the duck goes running across thing he Mm -hmm. takes control of the narrative of the room ah stupid duck and my buddy and i we're in our mid-30s so we think we're smarter than everybody Right. right we look at each other like oh my 
Okay. <laughs> Stupid duck. Ha 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 ha. Yes, yeah, that was indeed a dumb, <laughs> dumb animal. Dumb foul there. <laughs> Sorry, dear. Oh, wow. That's kind of how I feel about the way they treat us. Is they, they treat us like, hey. Let's just give everybody stupid duck and they'll live fine. They'll just well, be fine. You know, in some cases, I, I mean, I totally agree. And you th- it, it, just, it just hit me all of a sudden. It's like Flintstones, right? Flintstones. That's the brontosaurus. That's why, that's what the, the, the women that were our teachers saw when they were kids. That's what they internalized. That It was just easy, right? So it's like they spoon feed you the easy stuff when you're a kid. But apparently what they did without going into a lot of detail, because I scanned the rest of the article and it gets pretty wordy. They did some Gee, more analysis, that. right? And they were able to do more analysis of the different types uh, and find clear distinctions between the Brontosaurus and the Apatosaurus, enough that they were clearly different enough to be able to separate them. They should go with the word Ajax instead like of Ajax. instead of Apatosaurus yeah. because less is more. Yeah. Plus, Ajax just sounds kind of cool. It's much better. It's right? I believe it's even a Mortal Kombat character. What I want to know now is why did they teach us about Brontosaurus that's for a, fifty that, friggin' years? That's the story. That's the podcast. Right. What is the Brontosaurus <laughs> conspiracy? What have they been hiding? heard on the crude life morning show play hard work hard is by the moody river band mike's now changing the game with a six-piece towel set this towel set is made with usa cotton making it extremely absorbent yet still provides that soft feel that we all look for in a towel this set comes with a two bath two hand towel two washcloth typically retailing for $109.99, but for a limited time, you can get this low price of $39.99 with the promo code OTIS. That's O-T-I-S. Remember, all MyPillow products come with a 60-day money-back guarantee. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener specials to get this insanely low price of $39.99 on the towel set. You will find other deep discounts on the MyPillow products as well. Enter the promo code OTIS or call 800-598-4268 for these great all-American energized specials. The Crude Life, the most trusted voice in energy. On the phone talking with us today, Chairman Christy Craddock of the Texas Railroad Commission. We are the oil and gas regulator, but we do pipelines and pipeline safety inspections for the state of Texas. We have roughly 470,000 miles of interstate and intrastate pipelines in Texas and roughly another 500,000 miles of gas utilities. We have a lot of pipe in Texas. We're the largest pipe state by a six. It's an important part of what goes on in the state, and safety is is really important, obviously, to all of us. Absolutely. You know, the, the oil and gas industry has always been environmentally focused. I mean, uh, the President Biden's administration, that this is Obama-Biden 2.0+. plus. And the rate at which we've seen the executive orders flying off the president's desk is taking America back, taking jobs back, and putting us in a detrimental position. 
but as the attorneys general for a number of states, we are pushing back. Um, from the Department of Transportation, that Permian, the Permian Basin has some of the um, most deadly roads of anywhere in the country. We average a fatality per day. That is absolutely unacceptable, and we need to do better. Uh, we just want to thank everybody that has been so supportive of us, and especially you, Jason. Without without your help, I don't think our event would be as successful as it is. I went out there on my first rig move, and I was like, wow, I'm permitting all these loads, getting trucks going, load go, and I don't even know what half the stuff was. So when I finally got to go on a rig, I was like, wow, I was amazed. I was truly amazed of how this process is. No, I wasn't expecting any olive branch at all. Uh, the Democrat Party has decided that they don't like oil and natural gas, and uh, they were clear that they're going to go after us. I, I don't think that's any surprise. My name is Jenica, and today we get to talk with Amy Andrzak of the Interstate Natural Gas Association of Americas. Amy is the president and CEO. How are you doing today? I would say my my interest in this arena started more from an interest in politics and advocacy, more so than an interest specifically in the energy industry. Well, the first the, the first advice that I that I want to give is, ladies, put your clothes on, okay? If you want to be taken seriously, put your clothes on, which that's a whole other podcast topic. It's a funny thing, what I think sometimes is just really ironic. I'll, I used to pull into the office and I would see some of my colleagues driving electric cars and things like that. And I'm like, how do you work for a large oil and gas company and pull in an electric car? So, I mean, even us, I mean, even in our, in our circles, we can see that things are changing. Actually, you are on the money. Back in 2014 and 15, when we first started approaching our management team at our reasoning for wanting to engage in ESG is that we had great stories to tell. We all like living the crude life, so. <laughs> Play hard, work hard. Now let's work hard. Uh, it's Drew Galang with All American Services. Good afternoon, good morning, and greetings, salutations, All American Services. Boy, that's a very... All-American name. Let's find out where the name came from and what kind of services are involved with this All-American company. Well, I'm glad you asked. And uh, pretty much All-American services actually came from the founder and owner, Jake Pate. Uh, He is a veteran. This is a veteran-owned company. And oddly enough, he loves this country so much, he's still in the National Guard. He's still doing it. Um, But uh, All American is, we're pretty much um, an oil and gas service provider. Um, We do a lot of support for, let's just say, the emissions control with uh, anything going being said in regards to, hey, you know, cutting caps, plugging abandons, um, burning off gas is bad, there's too much emissions. Um, what, what our company actually does is we go in there, we support the rigs um, for any of the unnecessary venting, if that makes any sense. Um, do you know the processes in regards to that? Well, I, kn- I know about emission management in a lot of different ways, and that's what we're talking about, right? Emission management, flaring, and et cetera? Yeah, so the reason why he came up with this, so the company has been around for a few years. Um, it all started with all the rules and regulations, you know, you can't, like, if you go to Texas, you can go and get candlesticks and just burn them off, right? You can throw them, vent it, burn it, everyone's okay with it. 
in Colorado, it's changed quite a bit, actually. Um, pretty much they'd shut down the operation when we were in operations due to the fact of being around neighborhoods, being around schools, people calling that there's a fire, um, the wellheads exploding or, you know, a sore for, it's a sore for your eyes and it's dangerous and there's emissions and, you know, it's hazardous and polluted. So what uh, Jake actually, he patented his, uh, his incinerators and what he does for the most part is for the general public, the safety, the health, um, alleviating any vapors. Um, so the burners that he has actually goes anywhere from 18 to 2000 degrees. So all that blue flame, flame you can't see any of it because of the type of uh, telescopic burners he has. So A, we've, we've alleviated the problem with neighbors, you know, communities saying that it's bad to do what we do because they can't even see the flame anymore. And B, we burn it off to a 99%, pretty much a desired 99% burn off rate before it even hits the atmosphere. Um, uh, there's a lot to what we do. And again, I'd love to have Jake as well um, explain more so of how he came up with the idea because he actually patented his brand of uh, the burners that he made. You guys are based out of Greeley, Colorado. Is that correct? Correct. Uh, are you just in the DJ? Any other basins? Um, in regards to the burners, yes, we're just in uh, Colorado. Oh, that's right. Because you, you guys have other services too. Uh, we're just focusing on the oil and gas uh, wing of your All American services. Uh, what other, I guess, services are you a part of? Let's not get into the details, but municipality, construction. Just what are the other, uh, I guess, uh, sectors or industries? Um, well, actually, you named them all um, huh. after twenty twenty. <laughs> After 2020, you know, everything happened, oil and gas, it crashed. Um, we were already in the civil side, um, and we had to pretty much expand and do what we can to survive, because oil and gas pretty much, it tanked. Everyone knows that. It, it was pretty bad for everybody. Our incinerators pretty much went to almost nothing, because nobody was burning anything off. They just didn't want to produce, nor did they want to cut it off. So we do hydrovacs, um, underground utilities, civil, and reclamation as well. Well, I would imagine that some of this CARES Act uh, rhetoric that's going around is probably catching your guys' attention. I mean, there's they're talking about do, you know devoting a lot of tax money to uh, these abandoned wells and, and reclamation and, and that sort of thing. We just had an interview with Curtis Shuck, the Well Done Foundation chairman, and um, anyway, I just came to mind when I, when you mentioned the reclamation side. Emissions control, roustabout wash station consulting. I'm looking at your guys' website, allamericanogs.com. For those people who'd like to check it out, allamericanogs.com. I see you've got all the social minks and links as well, not minks. Now you don't have a mink. <laughs> there's no mink code up there, but there's, a, there's links up there. Oh, a links code. There we go. We're sticking in the uh, mammal family. Okay, there's a little joke there for some people. <laughs> Three people laughed. Everybody else turned the station. Okay, so um, well, we, go ahead. We tried, to build a, we tried to build a saying here for a lot of the, let's just say, naysayers out there. You know, with All American Services, we try to bridge the gap between old processes and new regulations. And I know that sounds a little cliche here, but um, we help the environment. We help the community, and we help pretty much all your operators, um, 
implement all the controls necessary simultaneously being able to burn off the whales that they have to without any complaints or being not in compliance with the rules and regulations. So on the oil and on the oil and gas side, would the operators be your customer? Yes, uh, the operators are our customer. Okay, and then uh, you mentioned the regulation side of things. You're in Colorado. Regulations have changed in the last few years, and Quite a bit. yeah, <laughs> I mean, well, you know what it reminds me of? What's kind of going on here is the way when uh, mechanics. The mechanics that went to the next level that became like, you know, the big, oh, we've got multiple bays and all this other stuff seem to be the ones that went and got a guy or a girl or three of them devoted to just being the insurance middlemen. All they do is work with the insurance companies so the, so the customer doesn't have to. And that's, that's my observation. I don't know if it's true, false, or whatever, but I see that happening in the oil and gas industry right now. And we, we talked about this, and it's not insurance, but it's re- regulation people. I mean, it's to where there's so much on the regulation side that it almost seems like that, that's almost either a full-time job or a new company that, you know, you met, we mentioned we're, we're serial entrepreneurs, so we're like, shut up, this is a million-dollar idea, you know? But um, how, how is the, the regulations in Colorado, I guess? Are they getting any better to understand? Are they still getting ramped up? Or? Um, I mean, it's, it's not getting any easier for any of us out here in the oil and gas industry. And let's be honest, man. I mean, the rules and regulations are are presented in such a way that most of the general public these days, they don't understand it. Um, Most of these people usually read, they'll they'll read a small article, they'll go on social media. um, And, you know, they're such believers and they wholeheartedly believe in something. They label it fact without any fact or any reality behind it. I mean, they all want the same thing as we do. Clean, reliable, efficient, low efficient, clean, reliable and, and pretty much affordable energy. But social media, the way it is these days, is all these rules and regulations are presented by a single person that speaks about it without explaining it. And then you've got these followers who just believe what they say. So that's what makes things worse and harder for us. I mean, not not just to follow by the rules, but like we get complaints and calls for burning without them knowing what we're actually doing. We get fire departments called on us saying that, you know, there's an explosion or they're burning down the houses. Uh, and again, that's the reason why, you know, Jake and his family, they created what they created is, is to alleviate these problems as well as if they had any issues with these uh, these burners of ours, we can explain to them that there are no emissions. We burn them up before it even hits, before it even hits the atmosphere. So again, we're, we're trying to, to bridge that gap between the non-factual information, being able to produce, you know, clean robot, reliable, efficient, low-cost energy, and do the things that the oil and gas operators have to do without being non-compliant. Well, a lot of this is the ESG revolution that's happening here, or the ushering in of it, um, which is oh, how we kind of connected for this interview, I guess, was a solicitation out there for companies that are doing uh, environmentally, socially governance things, more or less, and uh, we're talking about emission management, so I imagine that that that's a big a big uh, push or a big kind of focus that you're bringing the oil and gas companies. Are, is there anything else on that that ESG side that you guys are focusing on? Or are you still 
figuring it out for yourself. I mean, it's um, you know, it, it's it's one of those things where the rules aren't going to be set until probably next year. So a lot of the conversation is already done, but there's still some kind of some uh, formulation of the clay, if you will, happening. Yeah, there's. Um, I mean, I know a lot of the the rules and regulations are let's just say, have not been implemented just yet to its full capacity. And that's why we're trying to be ahead of the game. In Colorado itself, um, with what we're doing um, in regards to the burners, is going to be a mandate across the entire Colorado within the next year or so. So we're still working on the kinks. We're working on, you know, how we can better, you know, do what we do in the oil and gas, um, how we can be environmentally friendly. Um, but again, we're, we're such a new company. We're just trying to roll with the punches if that makes any sense <laughs> well it's tough because you know like you know we did an event and you know and and we sent some stuff in and took care of it but i always look at it this way that the people you know like meridian energy group meridian energy group is probably the leader in the esg movement just by being the you know they're building the new refinery in belfield mm-hmm. so you're talking about the first refinery being built in the last 50 years in the United States. So they're essentially going to be the greenest refinery in the world as soon as their lights go on. And so they've been held like to a, a scrutiny I've never seen in my professional career, never. Um, the, the amount of, uh, they've had two, three years of litigation out of nowhere that they've had to just continuously prove themselves over and over again. And you know, they're, they're taking it in stride and trying to, you know, say, oh, you know, we're learning from it. And, you know, we still get awarded the victory, but it's nice because it allowed us to be better. And but now they're basically saying, OK, enough's enough. You know, enough's <laughs> enough. <laughs> well, at some point. So anyway, I, I forgot even how I was getting on that whole thing there. But uh, this, this ESG movement, I think, is on the one yard line. And so when I look at companies like Meridian and even what we did with the Bach and barbecue and some of the other things, you know, those, um, tubes that you put in the bank and they go, they get sucked up. Okay. (laughs) There's this scene in lost where they make people record logs of people. And then they put it in that little tube thing. And then the tube just goes out to nowhere. It just goes into a hole and they get pumped and nobody looks at them ever. That's where I think a lot of this stuff goes right now. Nobody knows what to do with it. They're just kind of putting it in a pile and one day they'll get to it and stuff. And so, and they will. And as soon as they can find something financially lucrative for themselves so they can place this behind it, that's when it'll kick off. Yeah. And I, and that's, that's, that's what it is. You know, it, it's, all, it's all regulations for more finances for what they need. Yeah. I just hope... I just hope for the industry they're they're able to get a hold of the narrative a little bit more instead of being a part of the reaction, and yeah. that's that's one of the things I, I I really encourage industry to do is to get a hold of the narrative and not be a part of the reaction. And so, yeah. um, anyway, so kind of what we do is we, we found a you know instead of complaining about what's coming out and what will happen, especially after twenty twenty, it's it's what can we do to be. Um, more productive and stay ahead of the curve. And we just did it. And it's starting to become something that everybody's beginning to use, which we're hoping, you know, fingers crossed that this thing takes off. And and if they do come out with these crazy rules and regulations and and they start implementing it to where it becomes a mandate, we'll, we'll be ready for it. What are you hearing from some of your colleagues? Because the one thing that the DJ and the Bakken do have in common is uh, in fact, the, the Bakken worse than the DJ because DJ has Denver. 
Um, most of the operators are out of Houston and the decisions are out of Houston. And I think John, yeah, and John, John Lyle, last time he was in the program, he was opening an office or even moving part-time or full-time down to Houston because... Yeah. He's oh, actually finishing that up today. Okay, so there, there we go. We're bre- breaking news. This is in the industry. We call this white hot. It's so hot. It's white hot. You can't even see the colors, folks. This news is white hot. John Lyle has moved to Houston, but it, it, it's definitely a trend. You know, I mean, we were looking at opening an office in Houston or maybe Oklahoma City, just because you got to have a body down there and you got to be part of the action. And, and he saw that real quick. Um, oh yeah, and that's. I think that's every. Uh, everyone's if they're not already from there every every operator or small business owner that pertains to you know the oil and gas or support or services that's that's their main goal to be honest with you they're trying to get down to texas where the work is ready to go and there's it's like the good old days you know cowboy days (laughs) well i was told about five years ago and maybe seven years ago that and this is before covid and before the 2009 downturn and everything like that because remember as much as the elected officials and appointed leaders tell you covid created the downturn don't let them get away with it because it started in 2019 and if you want me to show you whiting Chesapeake and the other companies' bankruptcies. I can show you that because it happened in 2019. So, sorry. Wait, what? What, what is COVID again? Well, a lot of the. <laughs> I was just giving. Yeah, it just it really bothers me when I see these uh, <laughs> these officials. I mean, because listen, small business owners. This is their livelihood here. This is not yes. like. Like, oh, we move the goalposts and we keep getting paid. Small business owners don't keep getting paid. They got to adjust their life and they just can't do that on, you know, like on so nimble and quick, like people think. So that's why I keep going back to the 2019, like, no, that's when the problem started. Let's not forget that. But uh, what did you guys do during that, during that time? Because it sounds like you guys really did some reassessing of your business. Yeah. So originally um, a lot of our, let's just say, acquaintances, customers, friends, and families, they're, they're all a part of, you know, the oil and gas industry in some way or form. Um, but they were also involved um, with the processes of everything around it, just because they're entrepreneurs like yourself and myself. Um, we saw, you know, revenues go from X amount of dollars, uh, 2018 to beginning of 2019. And then from there, we saw the new trends of, you know, going green energy, uh, Let's just say what what it was that uh, uh, fiber, you know, fiber going in. Um, we saw that the housing market, even after the downturn, the housing market and civil construction started going through the roof. Um, so we pretty much uh, refocused our energy, um, kept our customers, you know, as much as we could in the oil and gas industry, but refocused a lot of what we did in the HDD side, in the hydrovacuum side, in the civil side. Uh, it just, you know, started working for the city, uh, the city facilities, underground utilities, things like that. It actually helped us get through and actually helped us helped us grow through those hard times. Yeah, I tell you, becoming uh, diverse with the streams of income uh, is is kind of you know the new norm for a lot of people. Either you got to become a micro niche and hit a yeah. home run. <laughs> Or you got to just have multiple streams, you know, and, you know, we mentioned about the industrial forest on how, you know, we're, we're kind of doing a lot with them and they've even kind of evolved to where now they've got some products and, 
the crude life, we're actually going to start even selling some products now and um, doing a few things like that just because we got to, you know, it's time, next level, you know, and. Um, well, it's perfect. I mean, you just give me a call and I can help you sell whatever you need. <laughs> sounds like a plan, man. That sounds like a good time. Well, and a lot of my work's done in Greeley. I, I go to uh, Becker Safety quite a bit to uh, get stuff done there with uh, Devin. Well, Devin just started the first responders uh, store. Oh, yeah, now. yeah, yeah. I know Devin. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Becker Safety. Yeah, we like to work with them on on a number of different things and uh, good people, good family. Um, you know, just so anyway, it m- m- makes it easy, Greeley. Uh, all right, so let's take a look here at ESG, Environmental Social Governance. What do you want uh, people to know about your company when it comes to those types of things, I guess? You know, I mean, is that is that something that is getting a conversation going these days with people? Well, the environmental, social, and governance, yeah, the, that whole criteria. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it really depends on the people that you're actually working with around or for um nine times out of ten um most of that most of those conversations would be had on a social media platform because people are are more openly expressive if that makes more sense on there versus into your face when you're with someone um it hasn't been a topic just yet um but it's coming (laughs) Yeah, that's that's why I think people need to get on the narrative because um, they're going to end up being a reaction. I, I th- unfortunately, I think so. Uh, be a good reason people call you to get in, get to get uh, going on things like this because, like you said, it's going to be a mandate pretty soon in a lot of it different is. ways. I, I think personally in Colorado, um, you're going to have walls being built around oil wells in the same way in Los Angeles they were building schools fake schools around oil wells and in north dakota I mean, we do that. go ahead we do that now with all the sound holes that they build when they're when they're drilling or they're fracking they they've got those those walls up i mean obviously they're not mm-hmm. permanent but eventually yeah they're going to start building walls if not even buildings around things and it's going to make it harder for all of us to do anything yeah and i get it it's going to create a whole new industry and and uh for some people building walls and tearing down walls and all these other things but at the end of the day the consumer is going to pay for it and yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, I'm I'm already seeing in my shale play profit mind getting up on that oil drum. I'm almost seeing <laughs> and instead of the rock of Gibraltar, right? Um, <laughs> you, uh, I'm I'm seeing where I, I I'm seeing hundred dollar oil, but they're making less profit than they were at fifty dollar oil. Like uh-huh. I'm already seeing those numbers in my head just by the new. There's a whole new wave of regulations that no one is talking about. Okay, so. If you take a look at what Donald Trump did a couple years ago when he relaxed a whole set of regulations that would have just crushed small to mid-sized companies. So, and I I don't have them in my notes at this point because I didn't know we were going to talk about this, but um, these are all, there's a couple stories uh, two weeks ago that were basically editorials warning that these were coming to an end because Biden's executive uh, uh, order takes them away, rescinds them. So now a lot of these small to mid-sized companies are going to have these new federal regulations they're going to have to pay for. That's a new cost that come, is coming out of nowhere that I don't hear anybody talking about. So we might have to do that next week, find those regulations. Yeah, because yeah, they're, they're, it's kind of important. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and again, and the biggest, the biggest issue we, you have right now is, like you said, 
it's the narrative that people are presented by the social media. You know, when and a lot of these people don't understand what we do in the oil and gas industry, whether it be drilling, fracking, you know, plugging abandons, um, you know, restoring wells or whatever the case may be, is they read what they read on social media. You know, whether it's a rule regulation by a governor, by a, a an official or whoever it may be, they put it out there and they put a little story behind it. And, you know, oil and gas is bad. Uh, when, when a lot of these people don't understand, it's, you know, all the oil byproducts that we use, how to heat their homes, how to fuel their vehicles, you know, putting on chapstick, these little things, it's what we do. But it doesn't seem to have any importance as long as the social media tells them it's not. <laughs> like you said, it's a narrative behind a story that makes no sense that people label fact. No, a couple of years ago, we were kind of joking that, you know, the uh, modern day environmentalist is a Keurig drinking, texting, <laughs> you know, I mean, you can't make it up. You just can't make it up. All right, guys, let's go have some burgers and make some Keurigs, huh? And then, and then, and then let's go demonize. Well, Jane Fonda, she just flew into Minnesota here about, well, on 4th of July, I was in Earhart, Minnesota. 90 miles away, Jane Fonda flew in and to protest uh, Enbridge and Line 3. Well, she's on a plane, and then she flies out. I mean, this is the type, you can't make this up. You just, you cannot, the, the disconnect is so... It's actually quite scary that the level of entitlement that's in control because yes. the disconnect is just scary. You know, and we joked, we joked yesterday that, um, you know, the great prophet, the great philosopher, George Carlin, he, he said it best, you know, the environmental, he said this in the 90s, environmentalists, they don't care. They just want their immediate area the way they want it. <laughs> so, <Right. laughs> oh, like yeah. He said it's entitlement. Yeah, it is, you know, well, and even, you know, if we want to get real existential, we can take one step back and say the Olympic basketball team just lost to Nigeria and they just lost to Australia. And that is not the rest of the world catching up to the NBA. That is America (laughs) entitling itself down to the rest of the country, the world, without a doubt. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I just heard about that, too. (laughs) I really believe that 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 is an example of entitlements creating, um, becoming a product of just kind of dumbing down or lessening down or, you know what I mean? Just really pushing down that versus somebody who's hungry and ready to win or hungry and ready to feed their family or whatever it might be. You know, you put a hunger, a fire in someone's belly, David will be be Goliath. That will happen. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, totally. And so, um, anyway, um, what else should we talk about here? We got about a minute or two left. I kind of wanted to, uh, oh, the veteran part. So let's talk about your guys' service. Oh, here's what I wanted to bring up. Next time you guys are uh, at your veterans club, I don't know. Okay. If, I don't know if you guys have one. <laughs> but, mean, we can make that whatever you'd like. <laughs> but, uh, it'd be, you know, it'd be real interesting. I don't know if this exists, but is there a veterans club for critical infrastructure? Because pipelines are critical infrastructure, and the last time DAPL came, uh, the DAPL protest that was in North Dakota, as, shoo- as soon as the disabled veterans showed up, I went, ooh, unless you got children in wheelchairs, you lost that battle. I mean, it's, <laughs> well, I mean, disabled veterans, I mean, you can't really argue against them. I mean, they're, no, they, 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 they gave their leg for your freedom. I mean, so good luck. <laughs> 
Um, I, but, you know, pipelines are a critical infrastructure. Uh, I, I almost wonder if, the, if that might be a way to get some attention, to have veterans stick up for, you know, pipelines and that sort of thing. That's all. And it, it might be something. You might have, like I said, a, a little niche there. Um, again, I, I haven't gone down that route, so I don't know yet. But and, it, and it's hard it, for business owners to get political, too. Well, yeah, and that's the thing. Everybody has a little bit too much of their feelings involved to where, you know, they don't realize the old motto of business is business. Now it's all about your feelings. So we can't really, you can't really push that if that makes any sense. Well, I got a theory on that. People don't like it, but I got a theory on it. Um, I'd love to hear it. Well, okay, you're 35, 36? 36. Are you a millennial or are you a, what, what are you considered? They're considering our age group, and don't, don't make fun of me, but I guess it's like a zenial. It's in between. In between, I think. It was, yeah, I, uh, I'm not sure. All I know is that um, it was. Um, not a, I'm not a millennial, though. I'll so basically, <laughs> between be, I've, between the ages of you know 30 and I don't know, maybe 35 and 45, or maybe. Anyway, what, around that millennial age, and I'm not trying to group and anything like that, but it's that, you know, kind of around, around your age and my age, you know, in between us. Yeah. There was this weird, weird ushering in of feelings into the workplace. <laughs> and, and I'm being told, okay, this is, I mean, okay, well, hang with me, folks. Hang with me. It, I, I'm, in two minutes, I'll come home with it. Just hang with me. So one of my big beefs when it comes to climate change I call it earth changes because if you go back to the dawn of recorded history, the earth goes through cycles, okay? And, and there's been ice ages and all kinds of different things before industry even came around and cars and all kinds of different things. So with that being said, I'm not a fan of consensus science. Science should be very sterile, should be very, as a matter of fact, if I drop this, this cup off of my roof, 15 scientists can figure out when it's going to hit the ground within a pretty good precision of one another. If I ask yes. them what the temperature is going to be what be like next week, they, can, they cannot come up with it. If I ask them what the climate's going to be like, you're going to be all over the board. That's not science. So when, no. when four out of five dentists agree that Trident gum is the best, that's not science, folks. That's consensus <laughs> science. So next time you, you hear that, that consensus science, it's honestly four out of five dentists approved Trident gum. That's what consensus science <laughs> is. Now, in that same vein, during that time when science was kind of being eradicated through consensus science, they were ushering in the feelings into the workplace. And I just noticed it was the millennials. That generation would start a sentence with, I feel I feel, well, I feel that this, well, now you're having a totally different conversation. So if you're trying to figure out how to get your P&L on track, or if you're trying to figure out what the F happened to your balance sheet, or you're trying to figure out accountability goals, which at some point at the end of the day, they do become black and white. Now there's reasons for those black and white and shades of gray, but there is a moment of black and white. But when someone starts a conversation with, I feel, that's a totally new conversation now. Now, 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 now you're not having a business conversation anymore. And, I, and that, it took me about 10 years to notice that. And it wasn't until probably six months ago that it dawned on me that that's what happened. 
And so when you think about the ushering in of the environmental movement, which is very easy to connect with the environment, you can go right outside and connect. Who doesn't have a great memory of the water? Who doesn't have a great memory of swinging in a tree? And now you're going to clear cut trees? It's very easy to connect. So it's, <laughs> it's dangerous to invite this religious cultish, this kind of this, this spiritual connection to the environment at the same time you're ushering in this feelings into the workplace. Anyway, that's just an observation I had over the last uh, year. And so that's what it is, man. Your thoughts. That's a, that's a, that's a very good observation you got there. <laughs> what was it? Was it a little too hippy dippy? You're from Colorado. So I figured we can get into existential talk. <laughs> I'm actually from California, unfortunately. Oh, that's real um, existential you know. talk then. Okay. That's <laughs> you. You guys are the king of the hippies out there. You got doctors no. and sandals and everything. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I got away from that for a reason. I moved to good old Colorado here. Hey, man, we're going to Dr. So-and-so. He's got beads hanging in and sandals. And oh, yeah. Anyways, uh, I lived in California for a year, so I, I kind of I joke because I had fun out there. Um, but anyway, so that, yeah, that's kind of my, my, little, my little rant of this morning. But I'm not even trying to rant. It's more of an observation, I guess, that... Um, yeah. Just folks, you got to be very careful when we're talking about feelings in the workplace. I get that there's a place for it. Listen, we're all about inclusion. We're all about diversity. But at the same time, that there, there is some risk management involved with that. And unfortunately, you know, not everybody gets bailed out by the government all the time. And so they can cost you. They can cost you. So, um, well, sir, let's, ha- let's end on a happier note. Um, <laughs> Well, I kind of you know, turned into a little Debbie Downer there, so uh, I have to go past that. Um, what? How can people get in touch with you guys once again? And uh, operators, you know, talk to talk to me like I'm an operator. Talk to you like you're an operator. I mean, you want me to try to sell you and close you on a deal and how great we are and what we do, or I can just give you my information. I mean, either way works for me. You got two minutes. <laughs> in, two, in two minutes or less, sell me. <laughs> No, you know, I don't I, I don't actually do the selling. I just provide the services that are necessary so that the operators can do what they do in compliance. That's exactly um, what a salesman would say. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, you know, we'd love to hear, you know, thoughts and other people doing the same thing that we're doing in our industry, especially out here in the basin, DJ Basin. Uh, we'd love to hear, you know, thoughts and, and processes, things they've done to better themselves in regards to, you know, the oil and gas industry, the burners, uh, you know, incinerators like we do. Um, but yeah, All American Services LLC, you can just go to uh, American OGS um, or, you know, look under the contact section. My name is Drew Galang. And uh, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Well, it's time to put the booze down. Find us some solid ground. Clean this damn life up.
interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is sponsored in part by Chewy Paws, all-natural elk, deer, moose, and caribou antler chews for dogs, USA-sourced premium quality and no preservatives. They love what we do in oil and gas, and all profits go to the dogs. That's Chewy Paws. Check out their website, ChewyPaws.com. That's ChewyPaws with a Z, dot com. The Crude Life with host Jason Spies. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Crude Life Daily Update. On today's episode, we talk with Curtis Shuck, the chairman of the board of the Well Done Foundation. I mean, there's a role, certainly, for the Well Done Foundation to continue to play in a lot of different areas. Again, Jason, we're, to date, we haven't accepted a single dollar of taxpayer money, and we're super proud of that. We think that there's a market-based solution to... Uh, the work that we're doing and but there's no silver bullet you know there's lots of I mean there's more there's more wells than there is money and certainly more wells than there is people right now to to get the work done and so one of the things that we're pushing uh, very hard for is to have a measurement component to all of this work that's planned because anything that's worth doing is worth measuring and to just go out and uh, plug wells, while we know it's going to provide some level of benefit, you really need to be able to express uh, quantitatively what that benefit is. And so you know, we're working uh, very hard with our partners to develop this measurement technology. And this isn't, you know, we're not talking about, you know, satellite uh, technology or drone technology. This is individual at the wellhead technology and and a methodology to really describe what's happening there and what the good work that we're doing provides in terms of benefit. To listen to the full-length interview with Curtis Shuck, the chairman of the board of the Well Done Foundation, or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. From the staff at the Crude Life Daily Update, my name is Jason Spies, asking each and every one of you to remember, energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life. Mike and the fine folks at MyPillow are changing the game once again with their six-piece towel set. This set is made with USA cotton, making it extremely absorbent, yet still provides that soft feel you look for in a towel. The set comes with a two-bath, two-hand towel, two-washcloth, typically retailing for $109.99, but for a limited time, you can get this for the low price of $39.99 with the promo code OTIS. That's O-T-I-S. Remember, all MyPillow products come with a 60-day money-back guarantee. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the Radio Lister Specials to get this insanely low price of $39.99 on the towel set. You'll find deep discounts on all other MyPillow products as well. Enter the promo code OTIS Or call 800-598-5268 for these amazing energized specials. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. 
Trust, First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. Exclusive interview industry news, environmental innovation at thecrudelife.com.
interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. Mike and the fine folks at MyPillow are changing the game once again with their six-piece towel set. This set is made with USA cotton, making it extremely absorbent, yet still provides that soft feel you look for in a towel. The set comes with a two-bath, two-hand towel, two-washcloth, typically retailing for $109.99, but for a limited time, you can get this for the low price of $39.99 with the promo code OTIS, that's O-T-I-S. Remember, all MyPillow products come with a 60-day money-back guarantee. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the Radio Lister Specials to get this insanely low price of $39.99 on the towel set. You'll find deep discounts on all other MyPillow products as well. Enter the promo code OTIS or call 800-598-5268 for these amazing energized specials.